Thank you for downloading our podcast. Please be edified through this sermon from our pulpit supply while Pastor Paul Lindemulder enjoys a week off. We heard the words of Revelation 6, 9 to 11. People of God, what did you expect? What did you expect um, or what did you think Christianity would do for you? Did you think Christianity would be a cakewalk? Uh, Did you think it would be a walk in the park? Did you think this vile world would be friendly or would be a friend to grace? Did you think this world would help you on to God? Some think so. Some think that they'll just leave themselves to the flow of this world and it will help them on to God. What did you expect? A health and wealth gospel? A name and claim it promise? A power of positive thinking outlook on life? A feel-good religion? A religion that gives you warm and fuzzy feelings? A religion that consists of little more than everyone joining hands and singing? What I wrote here is... um, Um, How beautiful are the Mediterranean nights? That's a Turkish song. Ask me later, I'll sing it for you. Or for you, like Kumbaya. What did you expect? Uh, Pre-tribulation rapture? Sparing you from any form of persecution? A golden age? Sparing you from any form of suffering? What did you expect of this... Christian life. Revelation 6, 9 to 11 sets before you a most sobering and a realistic picture as it answers that question. Do you want to know what you can expect from this Christian life? Then read Revelation 6, 9, 11. As we read the book of Revelation and get to this uh, chapter, we've um, we find that uh, every chapter, um, uh, it, it, the, 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 the uh, imagery intensifies. The images become more horrific. Uh, the scenes are more um, terrifying. And the issues that we read are more pressing. And we have come to expect that as we uh, read the, the, uh, the book of Revelation, and, and we see it here once again. If you thought the opening of the first four seals was disturbing, wait till you see what the fifth seal shows you. Uh, if you thought the riding forth of the four, four horsemen of apocalypse was unsettling, wait till you see the unveiling of the fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. The fifth seal is opened and we see souls. The, The souls are not in possession of their bodies. Their bodies are in the ground, returning to the dust from which they came. We see only souls um, 
we see only souls. These are those, those souls who have died. John tells us as much. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Not only are these souls of those who have died, these are the souls uh, of those who have been killed. These are the souls of those who have died a violent death. These are the souls of those who have been stoned, who have been beheaded, who have been hanged, who have been cut in half, who have been burned as lamps to illuminate the arena, who have been thrown to the lions, and who have been accounted as uh, sheep for the slaughter. These are the souls of those who have been, who had been slain. For what reason have they been slain? For the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Make no mistake, these are the martyrs. Those who have died for the faith, those who have died for the word of God, those who have died for the testimony which they held, those who have died because they refused to recant, <clears throat> those who held to the word of God, though it cost them their life, those who held to the testimony and sealed it with their blood. These are the souls of the martyrs. These are the souls of all those who have died for the faith from the time of Christ's ascension to this very day. One of those souls is the soul of Stephen, the first martyr. The souls of, of the apostles are there as well. History holds that Peter was crucified head down and James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Nathaniel was beheaded, and Matthew was killed with a sword. Thomas was run through, with, run through with a lance. The other James was thrown from a tower, stoned, and then, <clears throat> and then sawn in pieces. <clears throat> Judas... Not Judas Iscariot. Judas was shot to death with arrows. Paul was most likely beheaded. Now these are the traditions of history. Though we cannot prove um, the accounts, they are by all means likely and probable. The souls of the apostles are there as well. The soul of Polycarp. Polycarp was the pastor of the church in Smyrna. I can call him the, my fellow Smyrnian pastor. The soul of Polycarp, who died a martyr at the age of 86, is there as well. He was brought into the arena and commanded to, uh, to say of the Christians, away with the atheists. He wanted, the Romans wanted him, wanted him to call the Christians away with the atheists. He replied by waving his hand toward the spectators in the arena, uh, saying, away with the atheists. When he was threatened with wild beasts, he said, bring them on. When he was threatened with fire, he said, you threaten me with fire, the pains of which last for an hour, but the pains of eternal fire await you. And it was burned at the stake. He was 86 years old, and he said, for 86 years, Christ did not deny me. 
and I will not deny him now. He was burned at the stake. He did not recant. The soul of Polycarp is there. The soul of Blandina is there. She was tortured with every torture known to men and, and still would not recant. She was burned upon a hot iron chair. Um, she would not recant. She was suspended from a, from a stake as, as food for wild beasts, and she would not recant. And those wild beasts would not touch her. She was finally placed in a net and thrown to a wild bull, which finally killed her. And she did not recant. The soul of Blandina is there. The soul of John Huss is there. The soul of William Tyndale is there. The soul of Guida de Brez, the author of the Belgique Confession, is there as well. The soul of the martyrs are there. And don't fool yourself. Such martyrdom continues even to this very day. In fact, 20th century was a century of persecution in which more Christians died for their faith than in the previous 19 centuries combined. And yes, in this century, in the 21st century, this is continuing and Christians are still being killed for their faith. In 1915, Turkish authorities uh, in Turkey, especially Eastern Turkey during World War I, started gathering the Armenian uh, Christian population and uh, deporting them from their homeland. And during this process, they killed one and a half million Armenians. Most of them um, were Christians. The souls of those martyrs are there. Lenin said, there can be nothing more abom abominable than religion. And he ordered the persecution of the Russian Orthodox Church. Stalin extended that persecution to all believers, and the souls of those martyrs are there as well. 1956, the Auka Indians of Ecuador killed Jim Elliott, Pete Fleming, Ed McCauley, Roger Yonderian, and Nate Saint. And the souls of those martyrs are there. And, and what of the 10,000 Cambodian Christians uh, slain in 1975. The souls of those martyrs are there as well. Um, what about the Christian slain in China, in Iran, in Indonesia? Some of uh, the Christians who were slain in uh, Iran, I've heard about them from their relatives. The souls of those martyrs are there. Such martyrdom continues to this present day. Our dear friend, uh, a Turkish friend <clears throat> who became a Christian just before, just before I went to seminary, to Westminster Seminary in Escondido, um, uh, he was a very devout Muslim. And <clears throat> by reading the scriptures, um, God um, convinced him and, 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 and convicted him of his sin. And uh, he became a Christian. Um, I went to visit him in the year 2000, and he wanted to uh, see a plant in his hometown in eastern Turkey in a town called Malatya. About a million people lived in that area, and he went with a German missionary, a South African missionary also joined, joined him. Um, 
In 2007, last time I talked with him, there was, um, uh, they had an Easter meeting. A lot of people came. Well, a lot uh, in that area is maybe 10 or 15. Uh, but they were very happy, and they invited these people to a Bible study on a, the next Wednesday uh, early day, and five young Turkish men showed up, and these were conservative uh, Muslims, and they killed the German missionary and this Turkish pastor who planted the church there, uh, and, uh, and someone they were uh, training as an, as an elder uh, of the church. They had six converts altogether, and, and we used to joke um, uh, with, with each other as we called, hey, he was saying, hey, I have a mega church. Uh, well, he had six people, right? So, uh, but I said, you know, you have the right to have a, call, call your church a mega church. If your church is the only church in a, in a population of one million, call yourself double mega church. I don't know. <laughs> what is above uh, mega? I don't know, but <clears throat> Nejati, my dear friend, was married and had two uh, children, little children. He died. He was killed. And the killers were arrested. And they said his last word was something like Mashiach or Messiah, Messiah, my Christ. So what he was saying was, my Lord, my Christ, his soul is there. And where does John see these souls of the martyrs? He sees them under the altar. This is not the altar of incense that stood in the holy, uh, holy place just before the curtains of the Holy of Holies. Um, this is the altar of sacrifice. That altar that stood in the outer court. That altar upon which the animals were sacrificed. That altar at the, at the base of which was poured out the blood of sacrifice. Where, where you would see the blood of sacrifice on the Old Testament altar, you now see the souls of the martyrs. Um, their blood having been, having been poured out as they have sealed their faith with their blood. Uh, blood. That's the scene set before you in the opening of the fifth seal. Now in view are the souls of all martyrs who have died for the faith from the time of Christ's ascension to the time of his return on the clouds of glory. Um, these martyrs cry out in verse 10. Uh, and they cried out <clears throat> with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Now this is a cry for vengeance. Notice, it is the cry of those who have already been slain. It is the cry of the souls in heaven. It is not the cry of the Christian on earth. It is the cry of the Christian in heaven. Though the soul of Stephen in, in heaven today cries out, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That was not his cry in his martyrdom. Then he cried, um, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. 
In his death, he was conformed to his Savior. You remember the cry, uh, you remember the cry of Christ on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The cry for vengeance comes only from the souls in heaven, not from those who still dwell upon the earth. Even in suffering, even in persecution, yes, even in death, the cry of the martyr is that of the cry of the martyr's Lord. Father, forgive them. Why the cry for vengeance from the souls in heaven? Because they stand in glory and their cry is based on the character of God. They call him Lord. Um, <clears throat> in the Greek, uh, the Greek is despote here. The word from which we get our uh, the word despot, the English word despot. Uh, and what is it? What is a despot? It is one uh, with absolute power and absolute authority, and there is no one uh, above that absolute power. And they call him holy and true. God, the all-powerful the all one, powerful one, with absolute power and authority, is holy and true. And his holiness and truth, um, and in his holiness and truth, he must judge sinners. And that he will do for sure. He has said, uh, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. For this judgment, the souls under the altar cry out. They are crying out for the vindication of God. And you see the Lord's response in verse 11. <clears throat> then a white robe was given to each one of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of the, their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed." They are given a white robe and commanded to rest. The white robe is the righteousness of Christ. They have been liberated by Christ. They have been consecrated by Christ. They have been crowned by the Lamb in the righteousness of the Lamb. And now they rest. Already now they enjoy the eternal Sabbath rest. That is their condition. And yet, justice is delayed. Their blood has not been avenged. Final judgment has not been poured out upon their enemies, which are also, <clears throat> also the enemies of Christ. Though they stand clothed in, right clothed in righteousness of Christ, and though they already enjoy Sabbath rest, they anxiously await for the final judgment. Uh, and when shall that judgment come? John tells us they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Do you find that phrase disturbing? Um, or do you find it unsettling? What can you expect of this Christian life? Your Lord tells you there are many yet to be killed as these martyrs were killed. Um, what can you expect? Um, you can expect persecution, suffering, torture, even death. 
You are called fellow servants and brothers of these souls under the altar. Do you get the point? Your blood may very well run with theirs. Uh, as disturbing and unsettling as this passage may leave us, it also hints in the most tender, uh, ten tender of terms at the comfort that is ours. Comfort in the midst of persecution. Comfort in the midst of uh, suffering. Comfort in the midst of torture. Comfort in the midst of even death. Note again, in the, note again the place of these souls they are under the altar. This is the altar by which you enter the presence of God. As one author has written, approach to God is impossible apart from sacrifice. This is the altar of sacrifice, the altar of the cross. And the blood, uh, and the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed upon, the, uh, upon that cross pours down and it covers these, those souls under the altar. Yes, dear child of God, you are covered in the blood of the lamb. And let the blood of the lamb, that, that, that blood which covers you, let that blood speak to you of how precious you are in the sight of your God. Judgment will not come until the number of the martyrs is complete. God knows the number. He knows the number of the elect, and he knows the number of his children. He knows even the last one of them. And not a hair can fall from their heads apart from his sovereign will. And notice that God measures the time until, until he measures the time until the judgment by the blood of the martyrs. As... Um, Dennis Johnson uh, has put it, the days on God's calendar are marked off one by one in the blood of the martyrs. You have a great book in your bookshelf, The Triumph of the Lamb. I highly recommend it. So he says that the days on God's calendar are marked off one by one in the blood of the, of the martyrs. As each martyr dies, the cry of the souls under the altar increases when Stephen died as the first martyr, it was a lonely cry. But the cry of the apostles soon, soon joined his cry. And the souls of the early Christian, uh, Christians soon joined the cry of the apostles. And the cry of the reformers soon joined the cry of the early Christians. And the cries of those who died in the last century has joined the cry of the, uh, of the reformers. Think of it. Um, all the martyrs who have died for the word of God and for the testimony which they held from the time of the ascension of Christ to this very day and, and to this very moment <clears throat> are crying out in heaven. How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Do you think that cry falls on deaf ears? Do you think that cry goes unheeded? This is the cry of the souls for whom Christ died. This is the cry of souls for whom the Lamb, for whom the Lamb gave His life. This is the cry of those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. This is the cry of those who have been loved by the Lamb with an everlasting love. Do you think 
their cry falls on deaf ears. How foolish the wicked. How foolish those um, who would persecute Christians. How foolish those who would even put to death the followers of Christ. They stoned Stephen and thought that Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, would, be, uh, would, would remain silent. They threw uh, Christians to the lions and thought that the, the lion of the tribe of Judah would remain silent. They burned Christians at the stake and thought that he whose eyes are like flames of fire would remain silent. They thrust Christians through with the sword and thought that he, will strike, he who will strike the nations with the sword of his mouth would remain silent. How foolish the wicked. Do you think the cry of the souls under the altar falls on deaf ears? Then look at the opening of the sixth seal. There you have the answer. There in verses 12 to 17, you have the answer to the cry of the martyrs. The day of judgment is the answer to the cry of the souls under the altar. And don't be fooled. It is only, uh, it says, it's, it's only a little time until that day. This, then, is what you can expect. This is the life of the church. This is the life of the Christian. You can expect persecution. You can expect suffering. You can expect torture. You can expect death. It is a most sobering and realistic picture. If this is not what you expected, then look at your history. Look at our history. Look at church history. <clears throat> if this is not what you expected, then you'd better read the Bible again. You better read the Word of God. And you better hold to the Word of God. And, and there's a distinction here, a distinction between those who hold to the Word of God and the testimony and those who dwell upon the earth. There's a separation between the sheep and the gates, um, goats, uh, the, the sheep and the goats. There is a separation between the wheat and the tares. There are those who claim to be Christian and, and yet do not hold to the word of God. There are those who claim to be Christians and yet uh, do not hold to the testimony. Um, um, and there are those who claim to be uh, Christian and yet have no regard for the blood of Christ. There are those who claim to be Christian and yet have no regard for the righteousness of Christ. There are those who claim to have faith, but it is not saving faith. Even the demons believe and shudder. And what is true faith? True faith clings to Christ. It clings to Christ in persecution. It clings to Christ in suffering. It clings to Christ even in death. <clears throat> and in clinging to Christ, it is conformed to Christ. As Christ was accounted as a sheep before the slaughter, and as he was killed, um, so also the Christian. Paul says we are uh, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We are killed all the day long. What then? is your comfort, Christian, as you face persecution, suffering, 
even death. And your comfort is this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your enemies may bring you tribulation. They may bring you distress. They may bring you persecution. They may bring you famine. They may bring you nakedness. They may bring you peril. They, can, they may even bring you the sword. They may kill you all the day long. They cannot separate you from the love of Christ, um, uh, love of Christ who is your Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for subscribing and listening to our podcast. We hope and pray that our sermons encourage you as you sojourn on your Christian walk. If you have any questions about our church, please contact our pastor through our webpage, urcbelgrade.com. That is urcbelgrade.com. We also have many sermon series archived and available for download on our website, urcbelgrade.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord's blessing and peace be upon you.